I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester. And Av, please don't bring Mrs. Chester into this. And I'm Av Sedensky, and I wear pajamas on airplanes. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 7, Episode 4, The Hot Towel, which originally aired on October 11, 2009. I don't know if they're handing out these uh, loose hot towels on airplanes in a post-COVID world. Yeah, I mean, I was never, I never took the hot towel. It was never something that interested me on a, I, I enjoy the hot towel at the barber. Um, you know, when it gets into the pores very nicely. Okay. Um, I've never been a big proponent of the airplane hot towel. Have, are you uh, a big hot towel fan? I, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a big fan, but when they bring it out, I'm certainly not going to turn it down. So I definitely take it. But uh, what, my real question about this episode is like, to me, this is one of the worst named episodes. The hot towel barely plays a role in this episode. So do you have any ideas for a better episode title? better episode title or should we think about that as we go through it maybe yeah i mean certainly i guess like something with the caviar can uh could come up yeah if this was a friends episode it might be something like the one where larry hates the sound of a human singing (laughs) right except he just like makes that up because he doesn't really well that's why this is the one where he yeah yeah all right so maybe we'll think about that as we go through the episode because yeah the hot towel is a terrible name and i recalled nothing of it from the title until i started watching and then yeah we see the hot towel in the first scene and then it never comes back again so well the hot towel doesn't come back but it's that's the precipitating event for him having the hand injury throughout the episode sure but they could have had literally anything be the excuse for that right so yeah it could it could have been called the bandage yeah i mean yeah they put him on an airplane for and they don't explain why he's on an airplane Uh, it's basically as you said they just they need to um you know, they basically need to shoehorn it in for they want the shorts discussion and then they want the the hot towel. So, yeah, it's surprising they spend so much money flying him all over so that they could shoot yeah. those scenes. I mean, where do you think he's flying from? Um, Boston. Mm, OK, of course. Uh, by the way, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get I guess we can get into it now. We're already talking about hot towels. What's your take on shorts on a plane? Um, yeah. So my my overall take of plane. Um, you know, outfits is wear whatever you want to make yourself the most comfortable and it's nobody else's business. I'm always like shocked when I see like people that are like wearing like sports jackets and like formal pants on a plane. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it's like an airplane. Like, just like be comfortable. Wear sweatpants, wear shorts. Yeah. Wear sweat- well, there's a couple of things. So first of all, if it's like a, you know, a, a New York to DC or like some kind of shuttle, something sure. like that, and you're going straight to a meeting, Fine. that's possibility number one. And then possibility number two, which I've had is if you're traveling and like and you don't want to check a bag and your suit, you know, if you don't want to take like a separate suit bag just for your one suit. So maybe you just wear your one suit because your other clothes you can stuff into your backpack or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I see people all the time that are just wearing like slacks with like a turtleneck and a and like a sports yeah, jacket. That can't be your it. most I'm comfortable like, outfit. And yeah. I'm like, this is insane behavior. Yeah. But but I think more insane is wearing shorts. Like not for the reason Larry says it's not an issue of attractiveness to others. It's an issue of like. Uh, notwithstanding what the jackass sitting next to Larry says, like planes are usually pretty cool. Yeah, and I so agree with that. yeah, you want like you, you, it's the same reason that you, you're not going with like open toe like sandals without socks. Like you always need socks on a plane because your feet might get cold. And I feel like you always want long pants for the same reason. Yeah, but I um, almost always take off my shoes as soon as I get on a plane and just wear yes, socks for sure. Um, yeah. and yeah, I'm usually wearing either like some sort of like sweatpants or pajama pants with like a t-shirt and then I bring a sweatshirt also just because like, well, you know, I assume this is for like a long flight. Uh, you're probably not wearing pajamas for like a two hour flight, are you? Uh, depend- yeah, I mean, it depends. Well, it depends uh, the time. It depends where we're going. But yeah, I mean, yes, I guess if it's just like a basic two hour yeah, flight, wear whatever normal clothes. But if it's wearing, like yeah. if it's more than four hours, then for sure. I'm going and like, not that sort that I'm because I'm planning to sleep because I rarely f- sleep on airplanes because I'm just like not good at it. But you um, the yeah, I just want to be cozy. I just want. Yeah, there's like what, what do we what do we who do I need to impress on this flight? Yeah. But I um, mean, yeah, the, the shorts in the first scene are really just, you know, check off shorts because they need to get into uh, Larry wearing shorts later in the episode. So, right. And what, what, we need to establish his position on shorts. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we jump right in? Okay, 
right. So as you said, we're on this airplane, and Larry is sitting next to this guy wearing shorts, and Larry notes how grossed out he is by the shorts. He says, you know, I'm going to give you a little tip. Uh, you shouldn't be wearing shorts when you travel. And the guy, he doesn't really see it this way. You know, I always wear shorts when I travel. That's what I'm most comfortable in. And I say good for this guy. If that's what you're comfortable in, that's what you should wear. Yeah. I just think he's wrong for that to be what he's most comfortable in. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, And Larry, uh, he disagrees with that standard that just like your comfort is all that matters. Because as he explains, there are a lot of things that Larry finds comfortable. Yeah, he, like you, would like to wear pajamas on the plane, but he has more respect. Yeah, and he's going to list some of those off. Hmm. I'm I'm comfortable in pajamas, but I don't wear pajamas on a plane. I like to sing. I like to whistle. I like to play the bongos on my leg. I like to imitate horses, but I don't do it, okay? Yeah. Because there's somebody sitting next to me. Okay. Oh, you're very uptight. Now, does Larry like to play the uh, imitate horses? Because I've never really heard him do it. Um, well, he imitated horses when he was at the uh, the therapist, not not the therapist with. Uh, oh, when he was trying cancer. to be annoying. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he um he kind of did like the bongo thing at the at the seder when he was trying to wake up uh, the older woman who like had passed out out of out of shock during the seder, and he was like doing all sorts of crazy stuff to her, including I think you know playing bongo drums on her chest. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> definitely seems to be uh, something that is uh, takes. You so know. you're saying that the Larry that we saw in that one scene um, at the doctor's office, that's like the true Larry. That's Larry's it. That's what Larry <laughs> wishes he could be. He's that's, controlling yeah. himself to not be that annoying all the time. Yeah, un- that's unreserved Larry. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, he's like, yeah, you know, these are all the things I would like to do, but I don't do them. And you shouldn't wear shorts because you have grotesque hairy legs. Yeah. And the stewardess comes over with uh, offering hot towels to people and she gives one to Larry. And of course, it is way too hot and burns his hands. And uh, yeah, that's uh, as we said, that's going to be the precipitating event for a lot of the hijinks that will ensue in this episode. I guess so. Yeah. As uh, Larry now needs medical treatment and he returns to see Dr. Morrison, who yeah. we, of course, recall from Mel's offer back in season four. And of yeah, course, last time they were calling famously. each other pricks. So I'm right. surprised yes. that this is who Larry goes back to again. Yes, one prick. Yes. Um, and yes, of course, one uh, involved. we also know and love him from playing the library cop Bookman. on Seinfeld. Yes. Uh, as well as, you know, many other great performances by Philip Baker Hall over the years. And Larry, you know, he's getting bandaged up and he bemoans his bad luck and he wonders, maybe I even have a case. <laughs> yes. Always ask your doctor if you should sue someone else for. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's hear from Larry. I'll bet you I can sue him. Don't you think? Do I have a case? Tell me. Would you testify for me? No. Nope. You wouldn't testify? No, I wouldn't. I find that odd and troubling. Yeah, it would be hard to find a doctor who in good conscience could recommend a high-value settlement for that burn. Okay. I'll drop it. Forget about it. Now, what if you're a hand model? Well, if you're a hand model, yeah, especially if you've uh, if you found your uh, intention, your uh, what's it called, identical hand twin somewhere, yeah, um, you know, a way to monetize that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're a hand model, that's a different story. If you're yeah. Larry David, you know, I think it's probably just going to get better in a week or so. Yeah, Larry could have any woman he wants, but uh, none can appeal to him like his uh, right hand. Yeah, we'll see. Now that he is uh, he's back working, uh, the women are are looking for Larry left and right. Everyone wants the little piece of Larry. Yeah. Um, so Larry notes that he uh, he's really been enjoying the opera music that's been playing in the waiting room. And he asks the doctor what it is. And the doctor says, well, actually, I was eating at this restaurant called Mateo's and they have live singers who perform arias from various Italian operas at the table. And, you know, I had the idea to play it in my in my uh, in my waiting room and in my doctor's office. And Larry says, wow, that sounds like an awesome restaurant. That would probably make a great gift for this anniversary party that I have to go to. Um, so, you know, Larry's still getting bandaged up and he tells the doctor that he would really appreciate if he could have the doctor's home phone number in case of an emergency. And the doctor explains, you know, that's really not necessary. I have an answering service. They get in touch with me very quickly. But this doesn't really appease Larry. You know, he says, you know, I would just feel a lot better, you know, if I know I had the opportunity to call you directly. You know, I'm not going to use it. It will just like kind of like allay my fears just to know that I have the option. 
And the doctor, for some reason, agrees to this. I mean, he says that the reason is that, like, you know, I'm just trying to, like, end this conversation and get you out of here. It makes no sense. Yeah. But, but like, he could also just end the conversation, and get him out of here by just saying, like, no, like, I'm not giving you my home phone number. Like, that's just not something that's done. But, yeah, Larry, uh, Larry persists and he uh, he gets his way. So he exits the office and he bumps into Mary Jane Porter, who we learn is an old flame of his. Uh, Sherry Stringfield plays Mary Jane. Of course, she appeared on ER for a number of years, even won a few uh, Emmy nominations. And we find out that they had dated about 15 years ago before he was married to Cheryl. And, you know, he's there joking around. He tries to get her to admit that she regrets breaking up with him. And she's like, you know what? Why don't we catch up? Maybe we can go out tonight. But, you know, he has he says that he has Ted and Mary's anniversary party, which it turns out her friend Christian Slater is also going to be going to. And she suggests, you know, why don't you say hi to him for me? And he's like, nah, you know, maybe I'll see him. But, you know, I'm not going to uh, acknowledge this. Uh, so they, they agree to make plans for the following evening. So it's later that night and we head over to the party at Ted and Mary's house and it looks to be a very lovely party. And Larry goes to, you know, he goes over to talk to Jeff. He uh, fills him in on his encounter that day with the wonderful Mary Jane Porter. And they both agree that she was way out of his league. And Larry has an explanation for why she's the one who dumped him. Yeah, but here's the question. Why would like... I don't understand. I mean, we just have to get into this in general. Like, it's not clear to me. Why is Mary Jane so out of his league? Like, what what is what's her job? Like, what's her appeal? Like, you know, she's I mean, this yeah. is a guy who's dating like, you know, like freaking like, you know, Xena warrior princess or whatever. Um, You know, whereas I, I, I don't know, I like I need more explanation here. But like, why was was Mary? Now they say, well, you know, and by the way, I love how Jeff drops a big bowl. He says she's a big bowl of out of your league. So. They were dating 15 years ago, Larry says. So that's about 1994, let's say, right? In 1994, he didn't have hundreds of millions of dollars, but he was certainly very wealthy and like the famous showrunner of the number one sitcom on TV. So I like, was Mary Jane so out of his league in 1994? I find that very hard to believe. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, you could just think of it more of like pre-Seinfeld days that it's certainly easy to understand. And she's very attractive and he's very much not. Um, And like, yeah, he doesn't have the Seinfeld money quite yet. I don't know how rich he necessarily was, you know, if it's like season three or four of Seinfeld at that point. Yeah, but I need to know more about Mary Jane, why she's very clearly out of his league. Um, yeah, you know, like when Larry says to her when they meet and Larry says, you know, that she should admit she made a mistake. I would say she probably should. Like, you know, at least you got to do what Cheryl does, you know, put a ring on it, then get divorced and then you get some of that sweet syndication money. Yeah, I mean, and like we uh, we meet her current boyfriend at the end and like he doesn't seem to be like particularly exciting. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the story is. But yeah, let's hear uh, from Larry a little bit more of the explanation. Yeah. Really? Well, I was so desperate. I, I She could oh. sense the insecurity. They pick up on it. Instantly. I'm seeing her tomorrow night. Really? Yeah, she asked me. Maybe she's got the desperation this time. Hopefully. Hopefully. It's a lot easier to work with their desperation than mine. Huh? Um, yeah, so yeah, their desperation is certainly easier to work with because, mm-hmm. you know, you could exploit that, you could do all sorts of great stuff with it. Your own desperation is just going to be, you know, a, a huge red flag to any uh, potential pursuies. Yeah. Okay, so what Larry is most curious about is whether or not they can just pick off sexually from where they last left off or mm-hmm. do they need to kind of like go back to square one. Yeah. And Jeff thinks that even though it's been 15 years, everything that's happened in the past counts. And you pick off right where they left off. Yeah, I agree with Jeff here. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess like, you know, if, to the extent that like, you know, if you were they were into like doing like maybe some like kinky stuff that isn't like necessarily run of the mill, you may want to like double check that that person is like still into that. Sort well, of stuff I think also you maybe. ask, like, I actually remember um, I yeah, had a conversation asking, with asking is always yeah. Asking is always the right way to go. Yeah. Where I, uh, yeah, like, yeah, you ask, you say, hey, you know, last time we were together, we were doing this, this or this. So I think we just pick up right there and then you see what she says. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, presumably, like, these people now, like, at their age are not going to be like, well, you know, let's, you know, we should only be like, you know, second base above the sweater. I mean, it's more a conversation between Jeff, uh, between Larry and Mary Jane than uh, than Larry and Jeff. But (laughs) yeah, but it's like, yeah, you know, I I don't think Mary Jane Porter is like uh, saving herself at this point for, you know, so I think that, you know, you're, uh, you're, you know, you should ask, you should feel free to assume that, like, probably, you know. If, you, if you're going to have a sexual encounter, it's going to be of the uh, truly sexual nature. So 
Larry's uh, concern is that because of his injured hand, he's going to be in big trouble when it comes to unhooking the bra, should the uh, circumstance arise, because he's normally a lefty unhooker, and he's going to have to go right now. Yeah, and this, of course, uh, we discussed on Seinfeld before. Yeah, straight out of a Seinfeld plotline. And speaking of Seinfeld, they pivot to the Seinfeld reunion, where Larry is still hoping that they're going to be able to figure out a way to get Cheryl into the cast, even though they, they still now have this whole Meg Ryan fiasco to deal with. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, as that sort of stuff uh, result, you know, sorts itself out, uh, he's going to have some fun with Mary Jane Porter. Hmm. So Larry well. goes. Yeah. So he goes over to the uh, the hosts, the guests of honor to say hi to Ted and Mary and wish them a happy anniversary. And he gives them his gift, which is a three hundred dollar gift certificate to Mateo's. And they are very flattered and pleased with it. Ted notes, you know, this is a much better gift than the freak book. Uh, they're impressed that, you know, how expensive it is, even though they're, you know, sure to mention that other people gave more expensive presents. But, you know, they still want Larry to feel like, you know, he did good here. Yeah, I'm surprised they're like so surprised by his gifts. Like, OK, it's better than the freak book, but it's like not that big of a deal. Yeah, I mean, it's like and it takes it's like very little legwork. Like this is not yeah. like, a, you know, you'd have to like memorize a song or anything. He just like went into a restaurant and said, you know, I want to get a gift certificate. Here's a check. Um, yeah, it's not a lot of heavy lifting to. Uh, yeah, I mean, change. Mateo's I do love how in Curb, like every episode, there's another restaurant that's like the in restaurant where you're going to run into everybody, you know, and then it never shows right. up again. Yeah. Is Mateo's do you think it's uh, run by uh, one of the greatest survivors ever? Mateo Von Erdfelder? <laughs> yes, it is run by him. Yeah, he's the only other Mateo I know, so. Mateo Ruben Mateo was a baseball player. No, oh, I don't remember him. And there's a uh, Mateo Bocelli, the singer. Okay, fine. Um, there's other Mateos. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they, uh, you know, they're uh, looking to break up the conversation. They say, you know, we kind of need to go uh, mingle with the rest of the guests, and uh, that leaves Larry to kind of monologue to himself in a uh, our next clip that we'll uh, jump in for. Hmm. Thank you. Let me. I gotta catch oh, up. Oh, of course. With the host has to circulate. Yeah. Do you circulate yeah. too, Larry? Well, I, I know. You're, nice you're, you're the big here. stars, the hosts of the party. <laughs> Everybody wants to talk to the hosts. Of course, I understand. Oh, I'm the host. Hello, I, I'm the host of the party. Yeah. Well, what does he do that for? <laughs> Very unclear. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, uh, yeah he, he has a few of these in this episode. Um, his, yeah, little ruminations, which I'm usually a fan of, but this one is kind of bizarre. Um, so, yeah, he goes over to the buffet to get some food. And, of course, Christian Slater is there because we were told earlier in the episode that we would see him here. And, you know, Larry talks about how, you know, I bumped into Mary Jane earlier and, you know, you know we're going to maybe go out. You know, he, he obviously doesn't uh, deliver the regards as he was told. Uh, but what he does notice is the large gobs of caviar that Christian Slater is eating. And he accuses him of going over his permitted allotment and explaining to him that there are certain unwritten rules in society that Christians should be abiding to. Um, so let's hear from Larry on that. We have unwritten, unwritten laws in the society. If I'm talking to somebody and they said their, their friend has cancer, I go, oh, oh. Oh, you know, even though I don't know the person, I go, oh, you know, that's a, it's an unwritten law. You, you, you do something like that. Mm. It's a nice thing to do. Okay. What you should be doing here is you take a little bit, then you step away for 20 minutes. See, see what kind of action there is. Mm. If nobody's taking any, maybe take a little bit more. Step away again, so forth and so on. I like that in Larry's mind, like, like wishing, you know, good tidings to someone who has cancer is like, I don't really want to do that. But like, it's an unwritten law that like society dictates that I'm supposed to say that I feel bad for the person who has cancer. Yeah, I mean, here's my issue with like what Christian Slater is doing here. Like, there's like a ratio of cracker, bread, whatever, to thing you're putting on it. Which has to be like you have to have that right proportion, regardless. Like even if you love caviar, he's putting too much caviar on there. It's the same way. Like I love hummus, but I wouldn't put like that much hummus on a cracker that size because you need the balance between like the 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 crunchy thing that's holding it. It just it's totally off here. I love so guacamole, you, but you wouldn't put that much guacamole on a single chip. It's just wrong. Are, so are you saying this from only from a perspective of like he's just eating it wrong, or be, like because he's doing it at a party where it's like this like expensive thing that like he's like wasting. No, I don't care. No, it's not the wasting. It just it tastes bad. It's like it's a waste of the taste. It's it's not it's not going to taste correctly. Uh huh. Okay, because yeah, I think that's like that's a different angle that Larry's coming from. I think Larry's more saying like you know you know if you need to leave the caviar, you have to give everyone a chance to have it. Like you know it's this you know fancy food item. Like you can't eat all the caviar. 
You need to leave some for others. Yeah, you know, I, I, that, that's a separate issue. Although Mary and, uh, Mary and Larry apparently are on that position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when, you know, so, so fine. So uh, Mary comes over and she's like, Larry, did you eat all the caviar? Which is an insane thing for like Mary to assume that just because like Larry's currently standing near the table, that he's the one that he single handedly ate all the caviar. Um, but Larry, of course, says, no, 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 it wasn't me. It was Christian Slater. Um, and their conversation gets interrupted because Susie is calling for everyone's attention. And she announces that, you know, they decided that because Ted and Mary already have everything they could ever want. They had, you know, a lot of trouble thinking what to get them as a gift. So what they've decided is that Sammy is going to sing them a song as their anniversary present. And let's hear from Sammy Green. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch. I want to hold you so much. Susie's singing along in the background is so good. And I thank God I'm alive. You're just too good to be true. Are you kidding? Can't take my eyes off of you. It's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. I love you, baby. Right. Right. Yeah, so Larry uh, claps her off, uh, to, you know, bringing the performance to a premature ending, um, which he had done uh, as well at the uh, Groats Foundation uh, ceremony, right? Playing the piano, he like kind of uh, he cheered her off early. Um, so yeah, so Susie, Susie's freaking out, of course, because you know the song wasn't over yet. Larry ruined the, ruined the performance. Uh, Susie apparently now is this. Uh, you know, stage mom who's like preparing her uh, her young daughter for a life on Broadway. I mean, I do have to say, and like singing Larry in front of. To, uh... Can you not hear me? Hello. Yeah, I hear you. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I do have to say, like singing in front of a room full of adults with like many celebrities, the way Sammy does, it's pretty impressive that she does that. I mean, she's awful, of course, but to have the confidence to do it is pretty. Yeah, good. she sings very poor. <laughs> she has yeah. the confidence, but she uh, she yeah. does not have the skill. Yeah, but she's yeah, very right. very. Su- Susie mouthing along the words, I was dying. Yeah, that was the, yeah, that's the highlight of the club. But but I mean, so you brought um, up the Groats thing. Like, so here's the thing: like, it's not a Groats situation. Like, she's not suffering. So why is Larry interrupting her? Because he doesn't like it, basically. Like the Groats. Yeah, I mean, like, I think he yeah, thinks he's like, like a favor, basically. Well, I think he thinks he's doing a favor for everyone at the party to like end this horrific performance. But yeah, really, he should just like wait another thirty seconds and not ruin the party so yeah so larry uh larry escapes outside and christian later confronts him about the fact that he had uh ratted him out to mary about the caviar but larry you know he tries to defend himself as like you know i didn't like rat you out she accused me and i just told her what happens it is very uh, strange yeah, i find it hard to believe that mary steenburgen would have confronted christian slater about the caviar that's an ld thing to do that's not a yeah, mary steenburgen sp- thing to do yeah and and specifically say that like she knows because like larry told her yeah very odd. Um, so, yeah. So, so, yeah. So we had uh, we had to the next day and Larry's just uh, walking the streets. Uh, some lady tells him to smile and he tries to call Jeff. Uh, did you hear what uh, what he calls uh, Dr. Morrison? We picked up the phone. You know, he thought he was calling Jeff. What does he call him? What do you mean? He calls him fat boy. He when he oh, picks yeah, up the yeah, phone, yeah. he says, fat yeah, boy. yeah, because yeah, he thinks, yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, what's it with this so this woman uh, telling a male stranger on the street to smile? That's like a reversal of the trope, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not supposed to do that. Don't tell people to smile. Yeah, um, yeah. So he thinks he's calling uh, Fat Boy Jeff, and but no, it's really Doctor Morrison. And he's like, "Why are you calling me?" And he's like, "No, I didn't call you. I was calling my friend. I just accidentally called you." And Doctor Morrison's like, "Well, you know, you you still called me. Like an accidental call is still a call." And, you know, just like, please call my answering service from now on. Like, don't don't call my home phone number anymore. And like he's he has a lot of trouble getting Larry off the phone, of course, because Larry just goes on and on. But eventually he does. And again, takeaway is please don't ever call me again. So it's date night and we're with Larry and Mary Jane at Mateo's and Larry is complaining about the food. Mary Jane is not surprised because she recalls that when they used to go out, he always complained about all the food everywhere. And what she has concluded is that Larry just doesn't like food. And Larry wants to clarify a little bit. He says, it's not that I don't like food. It's that I didn't like your food because you were the worst cook in the world. And she says, actually, you know, it's you who's not a good eater as opposed to me being a bad cook. And Larry, uh, he starts to laugh this off a bit. But before he proceeds further, he thinks better of it. And let's hear our next clip. Anyway, I better shut up because 
I'm planning on I'm planning on a big move later, and I think I might hurt my chances if I keep criticizing your food. You're right. Yeah. Big, big move. Yeah. Is that what this is? Exactly. Big storm I'm, I'm warning. Like Babe Ruth calling the shot. So he uh, all of a sudden, uh, Mary Jane spots Ted and Mary and Jeff and Susie on the other side of the restaurant. And Larry goes over to uh, to speak to them. And he says that he thinks it's odd that they chose to take the greens out to dinner using the gift certificate that he has given them that really they should have taken him, that that would have been a nice gesture to thank him for the gift is to take him along. And Mary is like, well, that would be even stranger to feel like now we're taking you with your gift. It's like you gave a gift to yourself. So you have beef with me now? And Larry was with you. I got a beef with him. Side beef is great. Do you have, any, do you have a, any side beef alongside larger beefs with anyone? I have to think about how I rank my beefs. Like which, which portion of the beef is it? Is it from the side? Is it from the front? That's a good question. Yeah, I like the idea of a side beef. Oh. So Ted's like, you know what, Larry? How about no gifts from you from now on? Larry then, you know, he starts dumping on Susie saying, you know, well, at least I gave you a gift instead of just like having my kids sing you some stupid song. And this makes Susie even angrier, of course, predictably. Um, you know, she wants to know why you cut the song short since Sammy wasn't done singing yet. And so what Larry realizes is that, like, he has to make up an excuse for why he did it. And he says, you know, it had nothing to do with Sammy. I've just, you know, always hated the sound of the human voice singing ever since my father used to sing around the house when I was a kid, um, which seems like the type of thing that probably would have come up in the many years of friendship that he's shared with the Greens before now. But of course, uh, it hasn't. Um, it doesn't really seem like they believe him. So to prove it, he when the waiter starts singing one of the arias, as you know, had been promised is what goes on in this restaurant. He uh, he heads over and he does the same move where he starts clapping the waiter off and uh, gets him to end the song prematurely. And, you know, shall you see it? This is my policy. And neither Sammy nor this waiter are, are above the policy. Yeah, I mean, the, the question that they could have asked him is if you hate the sound of the human voice. So why are you at this restaurant where that's the whole appeal? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't go to a restaurant that specifically has waiters sing during your dinner. Yeah. But I mean, what is your just to go back a second? Like, do you think. I, I, here's the thing. I think Larry's right that if they were going to invite someone, then they probably should have invited LD. Right. Like if I give you like tickets to a game for tickets, it's sort of, uh, you know, I think it's nice. For you know, But like but like I assume the default was they were going to go by themselves, like three hundred dollars for a couple of, you know, for a fancy restaurant where I assume they're getting like a bottle of wine and fancy schmancy stuff like that's not even necessarily enough. For, I wouldn't even assume that was enough for four people necessarily. I don't know. Yeah, let's see if Mateo's is a real restaurant. We can pull up the know. menu. See I mean, I, I was actually talking to somebody in another chat about this. I've never, I've never spent, I've never, like, me and my wife at a restaurant, our bill has never, I'm trying to think the most expensive restaurant we ever went to. There's no way we've ever gone above 150 bucks. But also, partly that's because, like, we're a little more financially conscious than I think, like, Ted Dancer would be at a restaurant. Like, we're not getting a bottle of wine because, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a glass, but we're not going to spend, like, $120 on a bottle of wine. But, like, Ted Danson easily would, right? I, I would think, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. three hundred dollars is not doesn't go well. It's certainly yeah, not at enough a fancy for four restaurant at for Ted Danson and his wife. Yeah, I think three hundred of the default is for two people. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, now I, I guess the issue is like Larry as a single person isn't like necessarily like going to be like the top choice for like a couple to go out with. Generally, like, couples like to go out with other couples. So you know, maybe if it was Larry and Cheryl, still it would have been a different story. Especially because Ted would probably want to go with Cheryl, so then the Davids would have gotten the invite. Um, let's see. I'm looking at the menu for this place. It actually doesn't seem that expensive. Um, yeah, most of the most of the dishes are in like the twenty-five to forty dollar range. So four people could go there, I guess. Well, okay, but it's forty dollars for an app for a main course, and then you get a couple of appetizers. You get a bottle of wine. You get yeah, dessert, I'm not. You know. I'm not saying that yeah. you couldn't spend three hundred dollars. What I'm saying is, I people. think like when you receive when you're like a rich famous celebrity. And you receive a $300 gift to a fancy restaurant. I assume the default is this is for like the couple, not for five right. people. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're back at Mary Jane's apartment for the after party. And she and Larry are making out on the couch. And Larry's having a really hard time unhooking the bra with his right hand. So he asks if they can switch sides. And she's very accommodating. Uh, but he's still struggling, even from the correct side. Uh, she offers him some pie that she made when suddenly the phone rings and it turns out to be her boyfriend on the other side of the line. And as she's talking to the boyfriend and like reassuring him that everything is okay, Larry just starts retching from eating the pie, which turns out um, Mary Jane has not improved her cooking skills over the years. 
And she hangs up and tells him he's heading over here. You better get out of here as soon as possible because my boyfriend's coming. So, yeah. So it's now, I guess, the next day or the day after. And we're back at the doctor's office. And Larry's main concern is that Mateo's was terrible. The food was horrible. I can't believe that you recommended that. Um, You know, I'm really sorry about the accidental call the other day, but I just want to let you know you have a beautiful home. Um, The doctor is like, how do you know what my home looks like? And he's like, well, you know, your assistant gave me all of your information, including your address. And you actually live right in my area. I'm like, I'm I know your house. Like, I've seen it before. And it's a really nice house. So like, good for you. And the doctor is very, you know, uncomfortable with this. But Larry's like, you know, I really think there should be more openness between doctors and patients. Um, this is like, it's there's too much confidentiality in the doctor-patient relationship. And that should really change. Yeah. And then don't they get into a whole fight about the Asabuco? Uh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's a dish that he got that he's saying was terrible. Yeah. What is Asabuco exactly? Uh, it's a type of meat. Okay. That's so, but, but, okay. But so Larry got the Asabuco because it's bad. He also went to a restaurant with singing, which he claims he doesn't like. The, the whole date doesn't uh, make any sense. It's veal. It's veal. Okay, um, veal. Why was Mary Jane, by the veal. way, if she has a boyfriend, going out at, in, on a public date in a restaurant with a celebrity? Yeah, Mary Jane's um, game plan here is not really fleshed out very well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, she just had an opportunity to reconnect with somebody that I guess she still had unfinished business with and she wanted to see where it would go. But yeah, she probably should have been a little bit more discreet. Yeah. They're running into people they know. Like, it's going to get back to her boyfriend, obviously. So, yeah. So um, the doctor, you know, returns to the business at hands, uh, literally. And he says, you know, we have two options with how to deal with this hands. Um, either we could bandage it or we could not bandage it. Uh, pre- my preference would be to leave it open. It'll probably heal a little bit better. But Larry says, you know, you gave me a terrible recommendation about the restaurant. So I'm not really sure I trust your opinion anymore. So I'm going to choose to have it wrapped up. And the doctor says, well, you know, those are not remotely the same in any way. Um, but, you know, to each their own. And, you know, he goes along with Larry's plan. So we're back home and Larry is exercising at night when the phone rings and it's Mary Jane. And it turns out that her boyfriend has figured out that there was a man there because she found he found uh, his bandage in the garbage can. And he kind of like pressured her into giving her to giving him his name and address and he's on the way over to Larry's house to confront him which obviously Larry is uh, very scared by so he runs out the back door and he starts figuring out where can I go to like take shelter and of course you know he remembers that Dr. Morrison lives nearby so he runs over there and asks him if he can hide out there and let's take a little listen to his uh, discussion with Dr. Morrison Dr. Morrison I'm so sorry to bother you Honestly, somebody's after me. They're at my house. I, I didn't know what to do. I was running, and I, 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 I saw your house. Mr. David, what the hell are you doing? I'm, I'm telling you, I just need a place to stay. If I could just, you know, stay here for a while, hey, well, spend, the night. spend the night. I'll just, spend the night? I'll go in the guest room. I'll close the door. You won't even know I'm here. I'm sitting here having a nice, quiet night with my wife. We're having a glass of wine. And you bust in here saying you want to stay here all night? Hello, I'm I, so sorry. Please, I, I, please, I didn't mean please. to bother you. Don't involve Mrs. Morrison. I'm please. not involved. You're a lovely home, by Thank the way. You. Lovely. That, I love that print. And you know, I think it's a little provocative coming in here like this in front of my wife with what? no pants on. What, what, you should go home. I was running out. I, I ran out of the house. I give you my phone number. You call me. You drive by my house. Now you're in my house. Uh, how about if I just hang out here? No. I'll sit on the steps. What, all night? Sit on the steps? Well, I, I can't go out there. My family's here. <laughs> Do you mind if I stay on the steps, no, no. Mrs. Morrison? Mrs. Morrison, you're not staying on the steps. You know, you're a doctor. You're sending me out to get hurt. What about the Hippocratic Oath? When you're hurt, come back, and I'll treat you. Go home, Mr. David. Do you, you, agree, you, with this? Do you agree with this? Please, do, do don't bring Mrs. Morrison into okay, this. Fine. And I think you ought to put some pants on. You know what? You're going to be getting a call from me soon, an emergency call. I have your home phone number. No, no. I'm going to be making an emergency call. call. My I'm calling an emergency call, call to you. I loved every you time that you. he's like, don't bring Mrs. Morrison into this. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was my opening line. Yeah, I, 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 I never again, I didn't understand in the first scene of the episode why LD is going back to Dr. Morrison, given how their last interaction was. I don't understand why he comes back to him again when he openly says he doesn't like Dr. Morrison's medical recommendation. He's already decided beforehand that Dr. Morrison gave him a bad recommendation regarding the Asabuco in the restaurant. So why does he keep going back to Dr. Morrison? I don't really understand. Well, that. here it's just because he needs a place to go. So he doesn't get his ass. This, no, I'm talking about why he went to his office the two times. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I also, why is Larry's reaction when someone is coming to get him to leave his house? Why not stay indoors and keep the doors locked? Um, yeah, plus the you know, castle doctrine, he could shoot that guy. 
Yeah. I do love in this scene, though, there's like this excitement as Larry goes door to door, like knocking. Like we sort of wait for each door to open to find out who's going to be on the other side because we don't really know who it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So next, of course, he's going to head over to uh, Ted and Mary's place, which um, shouldn't really be walking distance, because if you recall from the freak book, which is referenced that the whole uh, plan there was Cheryl had made a special point to hire a limo driver, who, of course, led to all sorts of problems because, you know, they wanted to be able to drink and go to the party at Ted and Mary's house. But if Ted and Mary's house is like around the corner, obviously, that's not really necessary. Um, So, yeah. But, you know. I guess uh, somebody moved in the interim since the freak book. Um, so, yeah, so he heads over to Ted's house and Ted opens, and, you know, he, uh, like Dr. Morrison, he uh, wants to share a piece of his mind for, with Larry, as we will hear. You really disappointed me last night. That sweet guy trying to sing his song, you absolutely destroyed his confidence. You know that? He can't sing anymore because of you. Well, I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk to him. Talk to I him. Will, yeah, I will. Build up his confidence I will. after that. I actually will. I'll you are that. a selfish motherfucker. I'm selfish you mother. are. I buy you a fantastic gift and you take Jeff Green? That's $150. I didn't have my daughter sing some bucks. bullshit you know, song and not even able to carry a tune. Some fucking pants, will you? I love the folks on the pants, though. It's like, it's okay to wear shorts. Like, no one would say this. Provocative, apparently. Yeah, I mean, people wear shorts. It's okay. Yeah. It's like they're treating him as if he's like walking around naked. They're like, go put on some pants. Yeah. Like, you know, he's wearing shorts, like shorts, yeah. like they go to your, you know, a little bit of your knees. Like, yeah. Fine. You know, I mean, he could have been wearing, the, I have a pair of shorts that my wife banned me from wearing in the house, like around other people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, I mean, there could be shorts like that. But yeah, I'm not really sure if those, these are those kinds of shorts. Yeah, these seem like perfectly fine shorts. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Larry continues roaming around the neighborhood. Eventually, he finds sanctuary at Jeff and Susie's house. Uh, they're happy to have him stay there. Uh, however, when he uh, wakes up the next morning, he's awoken to the sound of Sammy continuing to sing the <laughs> awful song from the other night. Yeah. And he starts yelling at her to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, this is, is an Susie awful thing be to o- do. I'm on Team yeah. Susie here. Is Susie going to be okay with that? Yeah. Let's, fu- let's find out. Oh, okay. Let's find out. Sorry. Spoiler. He did what? <laughs> Yeah, so it doesn't sound like she's very pleased with uh, yeah. Larry. Well, I, well, I'm on Team Susie here. What what time of day is it? Because she's already, you know, Sammy's singing at the top of her lungs. Susie is fully dressed, but Larry's still in bed in his underwear. It's yeah, got to be mean, at least I, like 8 a.m., I feel like. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, so Larry, yeah, A, like you're a guest in someone's home. You don't. The guy's still not least. looking for you. Get up and go home. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely don't assault, verbally assault a child and like tell her to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like the way she like she like physically like pulls him out of the bed. Is like she's she's having none of that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So final scene. We head back over to Mateo's, and Larry is apologizing to the waiter. You know, he encourages him to get back into the singing. And while he's there, he sees Mary Jane. So he goes over to talk to her, and she tells him that she's meeting her boyfriend. And together with Christian Slater and his girlfriend, and Larry should really leave because the boyfriend will be here any minute. And Larry's like, he's like, I'm not really that scared because like he doesn't know what I look like. Yeah. Now um, this makes no sense. So previously, her boyfriend knew that it was Larry from the bandage because Larry's the only guy in LA with a bandage on his hand. And yet, Larry no, he, go- he didn't. He didn't know who it was. He just he knew that she was seeing someone, and she got the information from her from her. No, she said she said that he knew. Yeah, but uh, you you see a bandage in you see a bandage in a garbage can and you assume it must be because she's having an affair with somebody. Could have been her bandage. Could have been like, you know, any worker's bandage who was in the house. Yeah, could have been like a, it, it could have been. But, you know, I guess we, we could yeah. I, I would say like we could assume that like he's like, oh, what's that bandage? And she got like all squirrely and like she realized that's it's like the O'Henry bar that uh, Kramer finds in the garbage. Right. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily yeah. mean something's up, but like one. Well, but in that case, there was one person who would ha- has a, a strong connection to O'Henry. So. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, he's the only person. The only person in New York City who ate O'Henry bars was uh, the heiress, the O'Henry uh, fortune. Yeah, I mean they're not that popular. Yeah, but now LD assumes that Mary Jane's boyfriend won't know who he is, even though like we've established LA is a pretty small town. So, and and we know that he was looking for LD, and so if he could find out where his house is, he could probably find out what he looks like. Yeah, I mean it's not definitely not the same. LD's confidence is a little mistaken here. 
yeah um so yeah but like as he's walking out the boyfriend comes in and they bump into each other and the boyfriend spots the bandaged hand and realizes oh this must be the guy and the waiter starts singing his aria which will uh act as a soundtrack for the remainder of the episode and larry ducks out of the restaurant as quick as possible with boyfriend on his tail and he passes by Chris- christian slater and while he's trying to hide the boyfriend comes out and christian slater's like oh are you looking for larry david and he points out his hiding spot and larry is ducking behind a dumpster and the boyfriend approaches just as the aria reaches its uh crescendo climax i don't know the right word uh, but that is the uh, climax of this episode because it ends just uh, before presumably Larry gets his ass kicked. Yeah, I love the shadow appearing over LD at the end of the episode. And I love this monstrous man they found to play uh, Mary Jane's boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely uh, intimidating. Yeah. But uh, overall... I think a somewhat uneven episode. Uh, how would you rate this episode off? Yeah, I agree with you. It's definitely below average. Um, I think it definitely had some laughs, but the like, you know, when we talk about the, you know, the the intersecting storylines and the stuff like I think, as you pointed out right at the top, like it's just very shoehorned, like basically everything is put into that first scene with the both the hot towel and the shorts that will, you know, kind of come up throughout the episode and it's like why is it even there to begin with it doesn't really work so well organically um so i will give this episode a pretty 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 good two and a half pretties out of five so a a notch below average yeah i'm a i'm a a notch below that i think it's just not a lot makes sense about this episode who is mary jane why she went on a date with larry if she has a boyfriend um you know, we don't get anything from Seinfeld. We don't get anything from Leon. So, like, sort of these the two big storylines are completely missing. Um, you'd think that if some guy was coming to beat up Larry David, like, the presence of Leon in his house might help him. But, again, no Leon whatsoever. Uh, here's what's interesting. So, the Ringer rate, ranks this as a bottom 10 episode of Curb. I think that's going a little bit too far. But here's something crazy. One of the rankings in my cumulative ranking is this uh, guy on IMDb who ranks this as the number one episode of Curb ever. <laughs> what? I, how, I mean, how, how's that possible? I, I just, we get, I, is it, can we get in touch with him? No. We should have had him on as a guest. Yeah. yeah we should have had him for this episode. Like the, his favorite episode ever of Curb. I just I, I will note, by the way, this guy's number two and number five episodes are coming up in the next couple weeks. So I guess this guy just loves like the middle of season seven of curb even the seinfeld list episodes so yeah i don't know what that guy's talking about i'll say this episode is pretty pretty good so i'll say two pretties uh i have it ranked number 54 out of the 64 episodes we've seen so far yeah okay all right who is your come with guy um, I struggled with this part. Um, I didn't have a gr- too many great candidates for come with guy. Um, I think I'm just going to go with Susie because she made me laugh the most between the, you know, lip syncing in the background, the Sammy and, you know, the final, uh, outburst at Larry were both really fun. So, and we have, I don't think we've had her, uh, get any awards for a while. So let's throw her a bone. Yeah. I think, you know, you said it best, like in, as, as often happens with episodes, I don't love, I don't really know where to go when it comes to come with guy. But, um, you know, I don't really see the appeal of Mary Jane Porter, but given how much Jeff and LD rave about her and frankly, given her willingness to come with LD on a date, even though she has a boyfriend, I guess we'll have to say, I mean, she is the come with gal, right? She's uh, she's down to date regardless of her situation. So I'll give it to Mary Jane. But yeah, it's yeah, a, not not a, not a huge, not a huge award for this episode. Then we, then I guess we can get to the fucking asshole. For this one, look, Mary Jane, she commits uh, some light cheating, but all she really does is make out, which I would say, frankly, is something you know Jeff does worse <laughs> quite quite regularly. I- I'm going to say in a rarity, I'm going to go with LD here. The way he yells at Sammy to shut the fuck up is just it's really dumb. It's worse than anything anyone else does in this episode. And so I'm going to say Larry is the fucking asshole. Uh, this is the seventh time I've given it to Larry and oh, you've given it is. to him four times. So that's a total of uh, five and a half fucking asshole points for Larry David. Uh Jeff has three, Richard and Cheryl have two and a half. No one else has more than one. Yeah. Um, again, here, like, there's no one that really stood out as clear ones. Like, I was thinking maybe Ted Danson, but, like, I, he's, like, more right than wrong, even though he kind of, like, is a, a jerk to Larry. Yeah. Um, and he should probably, like, have let him into his house, like, when he's, like, this guy is coming to kick my ass. Um, yeah. But I'm going to give it to Christian Slater, who um, openly tries to get Larry, get his ass kicked, 
and hoards all the caviar at the party. So between those two transgressions, uh, you're the fucking asshole of the week, Christian Slater. Yeah, I do like how he points uh, Mary Jane's boyfriend, which way to go. I will say, like, the real way we judge fucking asshole, of course, is who holds the belt. Uh, it's still Jeff from when he did to Bam Bam in the season premiere, right? Yeah, nobody who this episode is yeah. to that. Yeah, all right. Yeah, so our big celebrity cameo, of course, is Christian Slater. So I think, to me, there's a clear answer here, but I want to get your opinion. A Slater in 2009, is he bigger than Dancing in 2000? Yay or nay? I think definitely not. Um, I mean, he was definitely, like, had his moment in the 90s. I think by 2009, he's, like, no longer. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Yeah, even if you look at his, like, Wikipedia page, it's divided into sections. And, like, 90s is, like, called, like, the peak or something. I forget. I'm not looking it out. And then the 2000s is called, like, television work. Um, or something like that because he really like his last big screen movie that he's like a star in is like in 1998 and then if you look by 2007 8 9 10 like around the not time of this curb episode it's all like direct to dvd or he's just guesting on tv yeah. shows yeah now he was in a lot of big movies in the 90s i mean sure. he was, i mean i think most famous like his career going was heathers which is like late 80s yeah and then 90s that, he but... was in Inter- interview with the vampire and robin hood and true romance some other stuff um his mother's name is mary joe slater do you think mary jane for this episode is based on his mother that's that's who he was dining with it was his mom <laughs> uh that's an interesting point yeah I, i'll never understand that character but um yeah so christian slater i do i wonder by this point the show is big enough i guess that stars are probably asking to come on the show right yeah, I mean, especially now it's like Seinfeld. Yeah. And so it's whoever's personal show. friends with like Larry or, or someone else involved, like one of the producers or something like that. Oh, Mary Jo Slater was a casting director. I wonder how Christian Slater got jobs. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Anything else to say about Christian Slater? Uh, no, not really. He had a, he had a good uh, like mini arc in the West Wing that I really liked. He played a, like a fun character. Yeah. No, he's the guest on lots of shows. Yeah. I'm not familiar with Sherry Stringfield. She's the one who plays Mary Jane, but apparently she yeah. played some character on ER and she won three. She had three Emmy nominations for that. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of like the Anthony Edwards conversation in the 32 fans patron chat. Right. Like the rest of the world knows him as aunt, but in, in that chat, he's known as Dr. Green because uh, I think one listener, Josh or somebody insisted, Oh, if you played a doctor on ER and then that's your most famous thing. Um, yeah. I mean, did you play Doctor Susan Lewis? I wasn't familiar with her, but I didn't really watch ER. Other than like, I would sometimes like see a little. But she must have played a pretty big role. I mean, to be nominated for an Emmy three times. Yeah, I think she was on for like five seasons. Yeah. So yeah, but I I didn't, and uh, I'm not sure she's done too much since then, right? Yeah, her IMDb didn't seem that uh, filled with tons of stuff that I was familiar with. Um, Yeah, I mean, she's like you know, a couple episodes here, a few episodes there of different things. I don't really see any movies or not too many. So, yeah, I think she kind of uh, went off a cliff after ER. But she was on ER for, I think, six or seven seasons. She was in 142 episodes. So, yeah, that's um, a lot of episodes. I guess maybe if you're in 142 episodes of ER, you don't really have to work much after that. Yeah, probably. All right. Is it time for us to go to the postman? It is. Postman! Postman! Come here! Tell the neighborhood! First up this week is the great Jim Crumbly who says this episode was fine, a little filler to whet our appetite for more reunion against three pretties. He gives the come with guy to Dr. Morrison, who is always a steed stealer. His patience with Larry in the episode is commendable. For the fucking asshole of the week, he awards that to Christian Slater at the peak of his swarmy dickishness at his nadir of fame halfway between his movie star peak in the early 90s and his Mr. Robot renaissance. That's right. He's on Mr. Robot. Um, I saw season one of that show and it was, uh, it was very obvious what was going to happen, um, in like the season one finale. And then as soon as that happened, I quit the show, uh, but I heard it's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, he says also good is the caviar stuff in this episode, but his last scene is perfect. Um, okay. Next up is William Blake who says, Hey, Alex and Alf, my name is Will and I would love you in my wallet. Is this episode somehow a direct sequel to the Lefty Call and the Freak Book? Uh, that's a good call. We didn't even discuss the Lefty Call connection. Uh, the whole idea there. There also he injured his hand, right? And he had to make the Lefty Call. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Yeah, um, but we'll get to, we'll get to overall ratings in a little bit. But I, I, I suspect that the Lefty Call of this episode are going to be in a similar region of the rankings. Uh, uh, so that's another way in which they are connected. 
Um, he asks, does Kristen Slater abuse the hors d'oeuvre situation at every Hollywood party he goes to? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, I doubt this is just something he did once at the dance. It's like, this is, seems to be his go-to move. Like, he goes over, he, you know, he, he eats and runs. Because he was, he was, you know, by the time Larry's outside, looks like Christian Slater is heading out. He doesn't look like he was staying at this party very long. Yeah, I, it's just, it's a classic example of, you know, somebody is in Larry's life. And so he's in Larry's life in like every circumstance. So you see him on the street, you see him in a restaurant, and then we'll never see him again. Yeah, um, I always used to joke that when I lived in um, like on Upper West Side, or there was a lot of times where I lived close to like various um, like wedding halls that have like Jewish weddings, just like almost every night. And yeah. I just would always say that like you could just like show up there any night and just like get free dinner. Well, you know my please. story of trying that. I've mentioned you, it on a podcast. Yeah, I think about it with this podcast now that you're mentioning yeah. it. Yeah, and I, um, I went and I failed. I ended up at a family in America. Oh, so then you oh, know okay. my story. Well, all right now, now I remember, but now, Marina now, Del Rey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's the, head, the wedding hall in question. But yeah, I mean, if you got there, and there was a Jewish wedding, you would just you would have no problem. No one would ask any questions. Yeah, well, so I people there. Well, I assumed that there was a Jewish wedding every Sunday night because every Sunday night, you know, like it just seemed to me like there was a ton of Jewish weddings. Oh, there. so specifically, Marina Del Rey, it's very rarely has Sunday night weddings. Most of the weddings, most of the Jewish weddings that you've been to at that wedding hall have been during the week. So maybe it was a weekday. I don't know. I thought it was a Sunday, but whatever. Whatever. No, I feel like no, I went. So no, you're saying I went this, the wrong day. It's a known well, thing. specifically, it's known that Marina on Sundays, it more often than not, is doing an Italian wedding. Interesting. So, like, the Jewish weddings are usually during the week there because, like, they're reserved for the by many Italians because, you know, they book weddings for more in advance than uh, the Jewish people do. I don't know if that's the reason, but yeah, uh, that, okay, that was so like a known thing. Oh, so maybe that's why uh, we swung a mist. There you go. Yeah, you got to go during the week. But I've told you the story to many, many Jews, and no one's ever responded the way you just did. So it's not Interesting. that. Interesting. All right. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it's a thing. Uh, people can correct us if you're an expert on the Marina Del Rey uh, catering schedule. Uh, but Will continues. He asks, "Is Susie a secret stage mother?" Uh, yeah, I stay not so secret anymore. I think that we, uh, we know that she has. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she has big sights ahead for, for uh, Sammy. He says, I'm left with many questions and no answers. Come with Guy is Larry and Mary Jane. Both of them fumbled multiple bags this episode. Fucking asshole, Ted Danson. Another beautiful performance as the smug asshole who can't even fade a gracious attitude when receiving a $300 gift. He gives a four pretties out of five automatically anytime at Larry ends the episode hiding behind a dumpster. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely, you know, you want to see that. Um, I don't know if I can go straight up to four pretties just for that, but I, yeah, I hear that's it. Wrong. Mm. Um, all right. Next is Jared Jerome, who says a jam-packed episode with a million balls in the air, some land, some don't, but we'll all have a great time to process. Well, let's say good. My favorite thing about Curb and what makes it unique, along with, of course, Seinfeld, is the way it interweaves various storylines leading to the moment where they all connect. I feel like this episode is as ambitious as any in trying to accomplish this, and while it hit some home runs, there were also a fair share of strikeouts. So a fitting parallel to 2021 baseball. Could have been a peak episode, and I always appreciate the effort, but just can't quite get there with all the shenanigans that reaches the attempts to connect everything. For his Seinfeld connections, he says, we are shockful this week after a Seinfeldless episode last week. You have the return of the great Philip Baker Hall, playing the doctor very much in the quick talking, no sense of humor vein as he did for his epic library cop board trail. You have Sherry Stringfield playing Larry's ex, who formerly starred as Susan on ER, which was part of the 90s NBC must-see TV Thursday nights with the well-known Seinfeld program. And finally, you have two clear references not only to Seinfeld, but to the very same episode of Seinfeld in completely unrelated circumstances. Larry and Christian, Lair are, and Christian Slater arguing about how to scoop caviar as a kid to George and Timmy, arguing about the double dip from the season four episode 19, The Implant. Larry not being able to go right to unhook a bra, much like George is unable to go left to make a move on Betsy, the hard-hearing sister of Timmy in season four episode 19, The Implant. This was clearly done on purpose by Larry. He then uh, put in the uh, eye roll emoji. Ah. You should have um, read the emoji if he included one last week when he said there was no sideful connection to the episode. No, he didn't. He didn't. I think uh, that was just, uh, you know, I understood <laughs> that he did it. Uh, for the come with guy, he says, let's go with the aforementioned Mary Jane Porter. Larry was at her, his misanthropic best in this episode causing all kinds of problems. And the one person who wasn't mean to him, at least not intentionally, was MJ. She was DTF. They didn't mind him interrupting the opera singer, switching sides while fooling around, not being able to fool around due to his bandage, bashing her cooking and baking. As Larry said, she was so agreeable, unlike another woman who will go unnamed from Larry's past. Sure, she's also a cheater and potentially gets Larry killed by ratting him out, but she's agreeable nonetheless. 
Uh, yeah, she is very agreeable. She's yeah, yeah. She seems like she's up for a good time. Yeah, that's why I had her as my uh, come with. Yeah, uh, asshole of the week. I mean, clearly it should be Larry. He does like a million things wrong this week, but let's mix it up and go outside the box with Christian Slater. What's this guy doing? First of all, why is he even in this episode? His role is completely inconsequential. A little spat about caviar, and that he happens to be there to get Larry beat up at the end. I think we could do better than that for the former Hollywood box office star. As for the character, he's both a pig stuffing his face and a rat tattling at Larry. <laughs> we can't have those dirty animals around the set. Well done. Well done. Ranking. As I said, I love the ambition, but we'll give it A for effort and a pretty, 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 pretty good for execution. That's three and a half pretties and one and a half no pretties. Oh, that's pretty good. He compared it to 2021 baseball where we have like the highest strikeout rates of all time. I was expecting like one and a half from Jared. Yeah. Um, well, but we also have a lot of home runs. Yeah. But I mean, the, the main talking point I think in 2020 baseball is like the strikeout rate. Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. uh, yeah, not enough runs. Mm. Gotta get one of those runs. They gotta move, uh, move the mound down, up, back. No, they want to move it back. They want to move it back yeah. an inch. Yeah, they should just do that. It's like 61 and a half. Whatever it is, it's obvious they should just do it. It's like gotten out of control. Like it's they did, they, they, you know, they did it in the 60s. You do well, it again. I, think, yeah. I think the issue is like the law of unintended consequences, right? Yeah, so you figure it out again. I don't know. Like yeah. it's it, it's it, the current like the status quo is not sustainable. Like yeah, no, I think the, the moving back makes sense because it gives you know pit, uh, hitters a, a slight you know percentage whatever it is to react extra. Yeah, supposedly it takes like two miles per hour off the fastball. So like, yeah, well, isn't I, it the same way that they've always talked about how like um, in fast pitch softball, like uh, these like underhand women who like whip it, they're throwing it like eighty miles an hour, but they say based on the distance from the pitch from the mound or from the pitching rubber to the plate. It's the equivalent of like 110 in in, in right because they're much close because it's like 40, yeah, it's 40 60, yeah right? exactly. So yeah, it makes sense you move it a bit further. Whereas they're saying like to move the mound down, which is what they did, you know, after the the you know 68, may actually have like that may have an unintended consequence the other way because they're saying with like movement on these balls, like it's not necessarily the height that's the issue, and it can be it can be even harder to to see from like uh from like a lower vantage point or something ever yeah know. and like let's not pretend that like 60 feet six inches is like this magic number like who gives a shit it's not like they're gonna start making the game seven innings well it's it's so stupid because it's like it was based it was li- literally 100 years ago when the game was completely in- incomparable to now in all ways and we sort of have this like this like myth- mythological way that we look at these things in football also like why is a touchdown six points and a field goal three points well they they experimented in a field goal it was five points and four points and touchdown it was four points and five points and six points and like and then they ended up on these numbers but they ended up on these numbers so long ago the game has changed so much more dramatically between then and now than it had between the beginning of the game and the and when they settled on three and six in the first place yeah and i'm not saying we need to yeah. change that by the way i'm just saying but like all these things are arbitrary and we think like like it's it, it, it's the most logical solution for the way the game is played today, and it's not. It, it may have been for the way the game was played when these rules were set in place, but that was it was a, like completely different game. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he says this is the twenty eighth episode out of sixty four so far for him. Ambitious, daring, and grand in scope. At the end of the day, just a very solid episode by Larry Alec Berg and company. Congrats on a job done. Next up is Zach Brooks, who says, Mary's the fucking asshole of the week. Don't serve a food if you don't want your guests eating it. Christian Slater did nothing wrong. What kind of pie do you think the disgusting pie was? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Yeah, um, I, I actually don't. I like Zach saying Mary there. That's a, that's a good sort of uh, surprising spot. But it's so unmary of her to confront him like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so much that I can't uh, believe it actually happened. Although Christian Slater said it happened. We didn't see it happen on screen. That's true. Uh, I'm going to go with a boysenberry pie. I don't know what a boysenberry is. Yeah, me neither. I just, I've heard it said about pie. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's like rhubarb, a kid. So like rhubarb, it, rhubarb pies are not good. Yeah. Um, do you think that we could get um, Sherry Stringfield to bake some pies for the 32 fans pie bracket? Hmm, that's not bad. Maybe her her on one side of the bracket and Allie on the other side of the bracket. Yeah, it sounds like Allie should be able to beat her very easily based on this episode. Yeah. Now, I think uh, in next week's episode, we'll have the best pie that Ted Danson's ever had. Is that not correct? I don't remember what's Spoiler next week's episode. Isn't, I don't remember. He, he, um, he, well, I, we'll talk about it next week. But, but Ted, yeah. Ted will send a, a piece of pie to Larry and Larry's date. And, uh, oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah, but Larry refuses it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll discuss that next week. Okay. Um, 
Okay. All right. Last up is Olin Allen. He says that was a big bowl of big bowl of faux pas by Larry. What is stereotypically expected of a curb episode, and one I definitely wouldn't show to a newbie if I wanted to get them into the show. Some enjoyable moments, but while some of Larry's reactions worked, some felt a bit too jarring, and even he should be able to read the rooms better. In particular, both his reaction to Sammy singing felt very unrealistic given the situation, his tasting of the pie when with Mary Jane given she was on the phone, and it's also his reaction to not being taken by Mateos. Mm. Surely the reason he gave a voucher rather than an offer to take them out was to avoid spending unnecessary time with Ted. Also, even Larry should have been able to read Philip Baker Hall's reaction to his intrusion better. Was totally on board with Larry about the short sky on plane and Chris Slater's caviar hoarding, who we could have done with more of. Also, really felt the absence of Leon when Mary Jane's boyfriend came to the house. Would yeah. have been a great way to start off the chase with Leon not willing to provide protection or lie for Larry due to some minor leap of logic triviality. Yeah. He's completely right there. Let, let, yeah, he, Leon has to be in that scene. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I told you that there's a disappointing lack of Leon in this episode. Because, like, we kind of, in this season, I mean, like, yeah. you kind of, like, expect that, like, as soon as he stays, like, the, that flip goes on, the flip of the switch goes on, and he's just there. Uh, but it really, it takes a while until he really becomes, like, an almost every episode guy. Yeah, I'm actually um, wondering. So, so Cheryl... Uh, Cheryl Hines is credited in every single episode, including every episode of this season, even though right. she's not a regular on the show anymore. Yeah. I, l- let's keep track. I don't know the answer to this. Like, you can look it up easily, but I'll wait and find out how long that's the case. Like, is that the case all the way through season nine through season 10? I, I don't know. Um, she's, she's in a, a very large number of episodes. Um, but when it, I'm saying is she credited in every episode of season nine, for example, the way she is in season seven. Let me look. And I guess my, and then my question the other way is at what point is Leon the same, JB Smooth the same thing? Because I think now JB Smooth, first of all, he'd be in every episode, but if he wasn't for some reason, he'd still be credited. He is credited 90 episodes. Cheryl is. Yeah. So she was not credited in the season nine episodes, but, yeah, in okay. all, but she is in all the season 10 episodes and every episode before that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and on IMDb, it actually goes through in parentheses, it'll say credited only. So I guess yeah. that means where she's credited but never but doesn't appear. Which is, yeah. So JB so Smoove has now reached that point, right? He would be credited in every episode of a new season, if, even if he was. I would there. assume that by now he's a series regular. Yeah. I don't think he was until yeah. may, maybe season nine, even. Mm. Let's see. You can look him up quickly. Uh, he's just credited 36 episodes, all of season 20. 20. Sorry, all season 10. Sorry, 2020. Season. Um, oh, I made a mistake. Yes, Cheryl, Cheryl is in a bunch of the season nines. But but the ones she's not in, is she still credited in them? There are episodes where it says credit only. I don't see any credit. Oh, there is one credit only for Leon. Okay. But he's so he's probably. Wait, so so Cheryl's been credited in all 10 seasons of the show, but I thought you said she's only. No, because she's only in 90. So she's miss, she's missing from 10. But I don't know which 10. She's in the season 10 ones. She's in the Fatwa season. Oh, she's so she's not credited in the New York season. So okay. season season uh, eight. eight. She's not in season eight, yeah. She's okay. she's excluded from that's where she's okay. missing. Mm. Um and then Leon basically. This season, he's only credited in three or four episodes, and then after the season, no, even actually through this, even next season, he's only credited in like five or six, and then it looks like after seasons nine and ten, it looks like he's credited in everything. Oh, okay, fine. So season nine is when he becomes, uh, yeah, a regular. All right, let's go back to Owen's email. Yes, let's. Um, he says a disappointing, jarring episode. Rating just a single, pretty for me, putting it dead last below the rat dog. Come with Guy, not many to choose from. We'll go for Dr. Morrison for maintaining professionalism and stern politeness despite Larry's many intrusions into his life. And for the fucking asshole, we keep pretty much those. Everybody else is up for contention. We'll give it to Peter McKenzie as the man in shorts on the plane. Definitely can do without such unseemly sights and uncomfortableness as a potential fellow passenger. Yeah, I think that guy needed and, Manscaped. Uh, Wrong podcast, sorry. Yes. Yeah, well, you know, Manscaped should reach out to us. And, uh, you know, I think we uh, we could have some find some synergies there. Mm. Um, okay, so in terms of episode ranking, that gives it a 3.0 overall average from the audience. When you put that together with my 2.5 and your 2, that gives it an overall grade of a 2.5, which makes it the 56th ranked episode out of 65, including the uh, HBO special. 
So it's certainly, you know, a bottom, we have it as like a bottom 10 episode right now. Uh, sandwiched in between the N-word and the Benadryl Brownie. You always want to be near the N-word. <laughs> um, but uh, as I said, five spots ahead of the lefty call, which is uh, comes in at number 61. Mm. Why, why, are we comp- so, yeah. why are we comparing it to lefty call in particular? Uh, because uh, Will mentioned how it's kind of like a sequel to Lefty. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 sorry. Yes, that, sorry, Will. Yeah. Um, also, similarly, only a few spots uh, ahead of the season one, episode two, Ted and Barry. So uh, a couple of uh, episodes featuring the Dancins in the bottom ten as well. Yeah, although uh, you can't blame the Dancins. You know, season one, they were or season two, whatever it was, they were still getting their legs. I'm not blaming them. I'm just, yeah. you know, pointing out connections. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So we'll, uh, we'll put a... Uh, We'll put the spreadsheet in the uh, show notes again. Everyone could uh, kind of see where we've ranked all the episodes so far. You know, we definitely encourage people to send in rankings, uh, ratings. Uh, you know, you don't have to send in a full email. You can just send in a score if that's if that's your jam. We'll uh, we'll include it in the overall grades. Um, we did get one additional Apple Podcast uh, rating, mm. and that came from Brad one two two three who wrote. Let me let me keep this succinct. It's brilliant. Uh, we appreciate that. I, I believe it's brilliant. I believe he gave it five stars. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, that what you should do is you should head over to Apple and you should also give us five stars and write something nice. And a reminder, as always, the uh, email address that you can reach us for any sort of feedback, ratings, advice, um, criticism, whatever it is, curbpostman at gmail.com. And we'll read it on the episode. The next episode, after we get it, we'll read it, whatever you write. Next week, we have Denise Handicapped. Larry will set up a date with a fellow classical music lover uh, named Denise, who it turns out is disabled, and hijinks will ensue. Yeah, lots of hilarious stuff. Um, people in wheelchairs and handicapped people is always uh, rife for comedy, <laughs> uh, as we learned on Curb. Um, so yeah, we'll have multiple people in, in wheelchairs. We'll have a, a married couple with an adopted baby that Larry will make insensitive remarks regarding. So yeah. Lots of good stuff. Good? Or would you go as far as to say? Pretty, 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 pretty.